take joy my king in what you hear let it be a sweet sweet sound in your ear I love this old song. It's not on the slides, but a lot of you will know it. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name Jesus Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name, Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance. 
Good morning. Marty, God bless you, and we know you love the Lord, and we love you, and I've grown up in a church that is not afraid to either applause or give a great big amen for, for Marty this morning. So, it's wonderful. So many smiling faces. Gosh, I, I, this is why I love to do this. And there's a lot of what I call them first-timers. That might not be the right word to say, but we're glad that you're here. We hope that you uh, leave this sanctuary with a better understanding and a, and a more love for God. Um, I love you, Lord. But you know what? The Lord loves us. Doesn't matter if it's your low point or your high point, or if you did something that you weren't supposed to do, God still loves you. So don't be disheartened. Wow. Every morning when I get up, I said, well, I did it again. And the Lord said, yeah, you did. <laughs> don't do it again. So we love the Lord, don't we? We love the Lord. So I'm here to have uh, you raise your hand and share what has been going on in your life. Um, I don't want to start because I always have something that's going on in my life. At my, at my age, and that's when it was from son. Uh, <laughs> so raise your hand, and uh, let's, there we go. Okay. Thanks, Harvey. Good morning, church. My name is Ken. Um, I just wanted to say something happened yesterday. It was very cool, and I just wanted to share it with the church. A long time ago, I heard a story about a guy that um, when he was younger, he actually saw a guy that was in a, um, a store by him, and he was the owner of the store, and he had a big wad of cash in his hand, and he always used to carry that. And the, and the man um, hid in the store one night, and he actually killed that man, and he took the money. No one knew that he did it, and so years went by. And then finally he became a believer and he went and walked into the police station and um, turned himself in. 
And he said he felt more free then, even in prison, than he had for all those years in his life. Well, then yesterday, I, um, I look at Christian Broadcasting Network News, and there's this story of a man who turned himself in for a murder that he had committed three years ago, and it solved a cold case, and he had become a Christian. And he is now, he is now um, encouraging people that were in the same place that he was in. He was a drug addict and stuff. So I just wanted to praise God for that. Yes. Good morning, church. Uh, Greg and I moved to Charlevoix last December, so we haven't been able to be in church, but we're on Zoom most weeks. But we're back this weekend, um, you know, down to see the family and, and here to start planning our wedding for Thanksgiving. And so just wanted to praise God that, you know, you, you talk about, you know, I used to be part of a 12-step program that talked about promises and, you know, the promises that, you know, Lord will bless your life, you know. And, and you go for years and you go for years waiting for, at least I did for what felt like blessings because hard, life can be hard and you know I just stand here today as a testament that it's just I just feel so full of gratitude and humbled at the miracles that have happened in my life and so we're really excited we're coming back down uh, Thanksgiving because most of the families down here will be here at the church to be married and it feels really good to be here today and and looking forward to such a blessing with you babe Someone else. Um, just a couple of things on my part. Um, uh, other than your first timers, a lot of you have been here, I told you, <clears throat> I'm still having some political problems in our town. Um, and um, it's been very stressful, but last week I, I turned it over to God. I said, here it is. I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. So it's in God's hand right now. So if you're to ask me what's going on, I said, I don't know. It's the same as last week. But, you know, my heart is pumping with joy because I gave it over to the Lord. So whatever is going to happen is going to happen. The other thing, at, at, uh, <laughs> at being 86, um, <clears throat> I've got something wrong with my knee. So I've got a doctor's appointment on Tuesday and whatever. You know, when you get... It's, I, I'm going to start babbling, so Jerry, you've got to get, come up here. <laughs> but, but when you get my age, you blame it all, everything on your age. Oh, my knee hurts. Well, Harvey, you're 85. What do you expect? Oh, my arm hurts. Oh, well, Harvey, what do you expect? You're 85, right? You're getting close to that, right? <laughs> Jerry is going to give the announcements. Pay careful attention. Where? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Who, which one is it? Go ahead. You're on the air. Sorry. Go ahead. Good morning. Go ahead. You're on the air. Good morning, um, oh. everyone. Um, I just wanted to... Um, Amanda? Yes. Can you hear me? 
Can you hear me? Can you get on? <laughs> no. I'm looking I'm looking at some of the new folks who are well new folks. You're not new, you're <laughs> first timers here. Welcome. Any other any other I'm just going any other first time Oh first timers here. Welcome. Any other I'm just going Pastor Dan. Uh, usually Harvey's looking right at me saying, Are you gonna say something? But <laughs> not today. Um, this has been a really, really hard year for us, maybe one of the hardest years in our whole lives. And um, so Sharon went down to Columbus where, to be with her mother last weekend. And we only have one car, so I didn't have a car. I went to Zoom church, you know. But I had, I was all by myself and had a couple days where it was like I didn't have much to do. And so I ended up having morning prayers, evening prayers, watched a couple episodes of The Chosen, just, just, you know, kind of like, it was like a double Sabbath, if you will. And it was amazing as we were singing that song about the goodness of the Lord, you've been so, so good to me. You know, it's, it's like, I felt like I was just drinking deeply at this oasis of grace. And, um, and I just want to thank the Lord, because I, I know most of you have gone through some hellacious times as well. And, um, and uh, just to testify that God's faithful even through those those times and and uh, God bless us all I'd, I'd like to do something a little different now you know Harvey's been leading testimony so many times and he's going through some tough things physically and I just want to pray for him could you all just kind of lift your hands toward him we're just going to pray for Harvey Lord Lord we thank you for Harvey for his being a spiritual elder to us in so many ways and his love for you his testimony to you the way that he loves so many others and we just lift him up as brothers and sisters in christ uh, we lift him before your healing presence asking that you would touch him in mind body and spirit lord encourage his heart and uh, strengthen his body lord that he may continue to be your witness here uh, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Jer, uh, did we get somebody? No? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, my dear friend who I love, 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 Jerry's going to make the incredible announcement. <laughs> incredible, incredible announcements. Okay? Thank you for that introduction, Harvey. I know. <laughs> Like Harvey said, my name is Jerry. <laughs> um, bear with me, I have just a few announcements here. Um, welcome to Genesis. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning, both in person and online. Please take a moment to let us know you're here by filling out the digital connection card or on the website or the physical green card that's in front of you in your pew. Uh, if you're new to Genesis, text new to Genesis, all one word, to 94,000. You can place your physical green card in the wooden box at the back of the sanctuary. This is also where you can place your offering if you've brought it with you. We just want to thank everyone who continue to give online or through text. It's a blessing to everyone. We are looking for uh, people to host small groups this fall in October and November. 
we uh, take those months to do a small group series that connects to the Sunday teaching. It's a great way to dive deeper and also to connect with others in the community. If you're interested in hosting a small group, you can mark that on the green card. You might be wondering why I'm wearing this shirt that says Treehouse. For those of you that don't know, it is the best. <laughs> um, tree, the Treehouse is our elementary aged uh, children's ministry here at Genesis, and they are looking for a few more regular volunteers. Their greatest needs are two large group leaders and two small group leaders for second and third grade. Uh, one of the best parts is that you can wear a t-shirt and not have to think about what to wear to church on Sunday. It's my favorite. Just kidding, it's the kids. <laughs> Working with the kids is a lot of fun and to be able to talk about and share your faith with the kids and dive deeper in their faith with them is really a great thing to be able to do. I enjoy it. Um, if you're interested in doing that or have any questions, you can talk to Manya, who's here, or Nikki at the garden desk. In the lobby, we have a back-to-school bulletin board. It's like right over this way. You can uh, put your prayers on the board for students and teachers there. Here at Genesis, we love to create spaces of belonging. So today, Ben and Hannah Hoskins are hosting a lunch and yard games starting at noon, and that, that'll go until whenever. They will grill, no one has to bring anything unless you have a specialty item that you would need for food. Their address, if you need to write it down, I'll take a second, grab a pen if you need to, it's 25435 Brookview Street in Farmington Hills. Please bring a lawn chair if you can. And at this time, I'd like to release the middle school they, to South Hall, right? For pancake party, right? <laughs> See, it's fun working with the kids. This, exactly, it's the kind of stuff you get to do when you work with the kids. <laughs> and for the rest of us here in the sanctuary, I'm gonna release you for the next couple of minutes for, uh, to connect with the people near you.
Hello. All right. Let's let's come back from our conversations. For those of you who are attending for the first time or you haven't been here on a second Sunday in the month, uh, on second Sundays we have our um, service as usual, but the back quarter we break up into discussion groups. And so the teaching that I'll be giving will be to inform those conversations. And if you have not uh, participated in one before, I would highly encourage you to do so. Um, it takes uh, the connection to the community. It takes the wrestling or grappling with scripture um, into a, a much more tactile and applicable space. And so that's why we do this on second Sundays of the month. And today is the second Sunday, so you're here for that. So I'm trying to prepare you that at some point I'm going to say, all right, our leaders stand up, and then you'll just find someone to uh, join their group. So it's not predetermined, and you won't be interrupting. You'll actually be fulfilling the purpose by joining that group. Does that make sense? I'm looking at the, for the new people to nod. In the, yeah, okay, thank you. I'm Nate, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm super excited to give this message today because um, it was a game changer for me. Uh, having, having grown up um, in a church that was known for its mission work. So I grew up in the Salvation Army. Who here has ever heard of the Salvation Army? Who here knew it was a church? Okay. Yeah, most people um, know that it's a thrift store or that it's a recovery center, which it is, but they are uh, based as a church, started as a church, and I grew up in that church, and I always admired the mission work that the Salvation Army did, but I was most connected to the founder, who was a wild-eyed guy with a scraggly, crazy beard. Uh, I don't think he had any tattoos, but his name was William Booth. And the Salvation Army today is known for having a brass band culture. So those of you who are band geeks, you got, you got excited when I said that. Uh, but the brass band culture started out of mission. And so the Salvation Army would have these bands, and this is like uh, 1800s, they would have brass bands that would go and they would play in pubs. And they would play songs in the pubs that the people attending the pubs would know. But they would change the words. And the words would be changed to songs of salvation because they were the Salvation Army. Those of you who know my history and Bo's history, you see the impact that William Booth had on my life. Because Bo, Bo and I were in a band called The Insiders, and our highest selling album was an album that was all Christian songs that had been changed. The music had been changed to be 
what was relevant at that time and completely irrelevant now. So <laughs> we, all, we all go through those seasons of uh, recognizing our irrelevance. But it was, uh, it was after the insiders that I had um, decided to do a church plant in Flint, Michigan. Um, anyone familiar with Flint? It is a tough city, super tough. They've been through a lot. And uh, I lived in an abandoned pharmacy um, on Saginaw Street. And uh, the gentleman that let me live there said, you know, as long as you help out with um, the all ages music venue across the street, you guys can live here for free. And so we did that. And our church started to be built out of relationships with all of these kids who um, were anti-establishment. Most of them were anarchists. Um, almost all of them were atheists, for sure. Uh, but they found this interesting intrigue um, as they got to know Tina and I and what we were doing in the city of Flint. And it was during that time um, I was on staff with the Salvation Army that I realized um, that the, there were certain ways to measure success and that the, the church in general had embraced a couple um, one of them had to do with your Sunday attendance. Another one had to do with the amount of offering. And then the last one had to do with the number of conversions. So people being converted, which uh, we would say then it was people who had become Christians. And what I was being invited to um, looked very different than that. What I was being invited to uh, was something that I would call an incarnational mission, where we were a people living among a people, and we were trying to build relationships. And so I didn't hit the numbers <laughs> over and over and over again. And there was a group that was a board there that was in charge of the finances, and they had given the space, and they had bought that sound system, and you're not getting anyone into uniforms, and... I heard this message from a gentleman named Phil Wall. So if you want to write something down, write it down. Phil Wall, he's a uh, missiologist, which means that he studies mission. And he was from the Salvation Army. And he was from England. Like everything I learned about him, I was like, oh, this sounds like I'm gonna you know, meet William Booth incarnate. And I got to sit with Phil Wall and he took me through this text today that I get to share with you. And it just, it was like water. Like in, in, a, in a dry and parched uh, land. It was just so refreshing to me to be able to hear the idea of mission in a way that I could actually see myself participating. And so this morning we're going through our values over these next six weeks, and this morning's value is that we are missionaries. So at Genesis, we are missionaries. We say God is a missionary and invites us to join in his good work. Because of this, we intentionally equip followers of Jesus to participate in God's mission 
in neighborhoods, networks, and to the nations. So our value is that we are missionaries. And what's been fun this week is hearing from people in our community about who they wanted to celebrate as being a missionary. So, this person longs for people to experience freedom and life change through finding truth in their life. Whether it is friends or coworkers or strangers, Ken uses his gifts and talents through words and art to communicate the glory of God and that God wants to know each and every one of us personally and that true, true fullness of life is possible when we are at peace with God. So, Ken Burt, you are a missionary. So come and receive this incredible Echo microphone. Pink and blue. Yeah, absolutely. She doesn't need that. God bless you, Ken. All right. She uses her disciplined prayer life as a way to make a way for the hurting, the lost, and the vulnerable. Her diligence and persistence to present those in need before the Lord is an example to us all. Deb bangs on the gates of heaven and looks for heaven to respond with breakthrough for others. She is truly a spiritual advocate stepping into the space between others and God. Deb McCormick, this is for you. Green and yellow. Are you a Spartan? No, that's not Spartan colors. What's green and yellow? You are Irish. That's what I mean. God bless you. All right. I don't think she understands her impact. Her welcoming and nurturing nature is so innate. What she does for others is subtle and low-key. Her card classes and taking her puppy to bring joy to others, baking every week for a small group that isn't her own. Vicky is like the oil in the machine, and Vicky brings the kingdom of God with her wherever she goes. Vicky Brown, where are you at? Orange and yellow? Is that a good color? <laughs> we love you, Vicky. You are a missionary. All right. She gives her time and energy to develop the next generation of leaders. She's a missionary to our youth and a missionary in her neighborhood and to the Cass Tech cross-country team. Liz Taylor. Oh, there you are. Liz Taylor. (laughs) 
Is that, did I say that right, the Cast Tech Cross Country team? You guys will have fun with that. All right. They host neighborhood parties. They are intentional about welcoming families and immigrant family communities settling in Troy. They're also looking to develop others to do what God's inviting them to do. This is Daniel and Bonnie Backing. You are missionaries. Green and yellow, okay. And then, Daniel, would you, do you want to um, make an invitation for what you guys are doing yeah, right yeah, now? Sure. Okay. Uh, so, uh, thanks, uh, thanks a lot, Nate. For Absolutely. Uh, so, as some of you have been over the summer here, have heard uh, the leadership talk about the Kairos Circle, uh, especially Nate. And as part of that, Bonnie and I are leading a small group like Discipleship that's going to be going this fall for uh, 16 weeks. Um, it's going to talk about that and a few other shakes, but don't worry, you do not need your trade classes. So, uh, yeah, we'll be about October to February with some breaks for the holidays there, and it's going to be Wednesday from 7 to 8.30 in Troy. Um, so, yeah, if you guys want to join us, we'd love that. We'd love for you guys to come out. Um, there's cards on the back that you can get our contact information, and We'd love to see you. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> that was fun. So I want to talk about Zeitgeist. Who knows what that? Who knows what that is? Zeitgeist. Few. Oh, it's on the bo- it's on the screen. All right. So Zeitgeist is the defining spirit or mood of a particular period of history, as shown by the ideas or the beliefs of that time. So an example of Zeitgeist um, would be flower power. Right? That, was, that, was, that defined a whole spirit or mood of the 60s. And what I want to do is I want to go through a classic text, Acts 17. I want us to look at the pattern that Paul takes as a missionary. Then we're going to practice identifying zeitgeist within the scripture text. And then we're going to practice identifying zeitgeist in our discussion groups. So that's how we're going to use the rest of our time. So Acts chapter 17, if you have your Bible, you can turn to it. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me. So Lord, open our our ears and our hearts to hear what you have for us this morning. Acts 17. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue, as was his custom. So take note of that. As was his custom, Paul 
had a pattern. When he went to a city, his pattern was to go to the synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out of the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. So what was the zeitgeist? What was the spirit or the mood in Thessalonica? What's that? Change? What else? What else did you pick up on? Caesar's the boss. That's definitely part of the zeitgeist. Anything else? It says that Paul, in verse 2, it says that Paul reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving. What does that say about the zeitgeist of the people in the synagogue? Absolutely. They, first of all, were people of peace to Paul because they welcomed him into their space. And then they were committed to find truth. Reasoning and explaining and proving in Thessalonica was fruitful. That's not fruitful everywhere. Reasoning, explaining, and proving. And then Paul says that there was good news that they needed to hear. And this is in verse 3. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. The Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. They were stumbling over something. And it, and it was this idea that if Jesus was who he said he was, why was he just executed? And so Paul comes in and he says, well, this had to happen. The Messiah had to be crucified and to resurrect from the dead. It was necessary. And then there was another group, and for them, Paul's message and Paul's early adopters were a threat. And so they created a fake 
mob scene in the marketplace. Perhaps they felt that their power or their influence was threatened. Not only that, they were choosing a lesser evil. They, said, they actually became defenders of Caesar, saying they're speaking of a different king. So the zeitgeist in Thessalonica was that the people desired truth. They valued reasoning. They wanted it to make sense and to all come together. In Berea, starting at verse 10, it says, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Do you see the pattern? <laughs> now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. That's a key about their zeitgeist. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. So, what was the zeitgeist in Berea? People were meek? Accepted the message, is that what I heard? Oh, excited? What else? It says they received the message with eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. Yeah, seekers of truth. They wanted to know, is what you're saying true? Does it line up with what we've already been taught? Their highest value was truth. Paul was able to meet them in that eagerness but then they would go back and they would fact check him. <laughs> they would see if their Old Testament did actually prophesy about Jesus being the Messiah. But, so the verse 13, but when the Jews in Thessalonica, so this is the first group, when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too. So the ones who rallied the mob in the marketplace in Thessalonica now go to Berea, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. So now we are in Athens. This is when it gets real exciting. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So, he reasoned in the synagogue with both the Jews and God-fearing Greeks. So Paul gets to Athens first and decides to walk the city. What are these people about? What do they do here? What's the zeitgeist in Athens? They're, they're, they are a very spiritual people, a very religious people. They've built idols to the, to the gods. 
Paul does his usual pattern. He goes to the synagogue. And then if we continue in 17, it says, as well as in the marketplace. Day by day with those who happened to be there. There was, the vibe was different in Athens. So Paul goes to the synagogue, but he also goes to the marketplace. Something was different there. 18, it says, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Paul finds a different audience in Athens. And it's an audience of big thinkers. It's Stoic philosophers. And they're, they're in the marketplace. They're not in the temple. They're not in the synagogue. The people who are welcoming Paul are in the marketplace, the place that previously was where the rioters came from. The Epicureans believed that the greatest good in life was to seek modest and sustainable pleasure in the form of tranquility and living without fear, also the absence of bodily pain through knowledge and limiting one's desires. The Stoics followed the philosophy of personal virtue formed by a system of logic both necessary and sufficient to achieve flourishing in this life by living an ethical life. So what was the, what was the zeitgeist in Athens? What was the zeitgeist in the marketplace? These were good people. They were good people that wanted to live good lives. That was their pursuit, they wanted to flourish. And they wanted the people around them to flourish. And part of that flourishing was not offending the gods. If there was a drought, you had offended the gods. If things weren't going well, you had offended the gods. And so in 19, it says, they, then they took him, they took Paul and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. This is what they were about. This was the zeitgeist. Big ideas, challenging thoughts. It's unclear whether Paul gave his speech actually before the Areopagus, a tribunal council, or if they're referencing the place, the Areopagus, where people would gather, and then Paul gave his famous speech. In verse 22, it says, Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. 
For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. What a freaking awesome setup to a sermon. Way more powerful than Pancake Party in South Hall, even though I felt like I was going to be competing with that. Paul reads the room. He gets it. He understands what they're about. And so he wants to speak into the zeitgeist. Paul looks around Athens and sees these statues and idols, and they're made to appease the gods. And he picks up on the fact that there's a spiritual anxiety in Athens. The people have a fear of doing something or one thing wrong, and it would be forgetting one of the gods. And so they've erected an altar to appease anyone that would fit that category, the unknown god. It makes sense if their goal is to flourish. It makes sense being on the good side of the gods. And they were concerned about having missed one. And so Paul decides it's an opportunity to speak hope into their spiritual anxiety. To proclaim good news, or what we would call gospel, to them. And this was it, that the people of Athens could know God by name. This was the good news. You can know God by name. And so Paul lays out a message of hope. And this is what we believe at Genesis it is to be a missionary, to speak hope. It's on our sign, to speak hope. If you can go back later today, read the rest of Acts 17, the way that Paul speaks hope, it's freaking amazing. He's like, you're the children of God, and God is so excited about you. And God, God created all of this so that we might reach out and find God and know God and be at peace. He speaks directly into their spiritual anxiety. Such good news and such gospel. And the fact is that we live in the midst of a zeitgeist. Our network, our neighborhood, has a very specific thing that's going on. And God has placed us in that network. The question that we have this morning and what we want to answer is, have we taken any step to look at where God has placed us? And are there opportunities right in front of us where God is saying, these are my children, and I want to speak hope to them. So to get into that, we're gonna break up into our discussion groups. So if we could have our discussion leaders stand up, and you may have to spread out in the room, I think we're left heavy, but at this point, just go and find uh, someone. Discussion leaders, put your hands up like this, and if we can do like groups of six or seven, that would be great. 
And you go ahead right now and you can, you can move into groups. Um, Amanda's going to be leading on Zoom. So those of you that are on Zoom, please stay on there and enjoy this discussion. So go ahead and move right now. So someone can come up here. There's lots of space in the front. So we have Sandra, Liv, Taylor, Jerry, Andrew, and Jill. Good morning. Okay, let me get a better view of everyone. I can't see anyone. <clears throat> okay. Um, here we go. I see someone. Oh, wait, I need to turn mine on. Hello. <laughs> okay, there I am. Hello. All right. Good morning. Um, wow. That's pretty powerful today. I felt I felt that today. Um, I'm Amanda. And I am going to lead today's discussion. And the question, one of the questions is, um, what is your initial response to the word missionary? I think it's just you and I, Justin. There we go. And I can unmute. Okay, sweet. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm Justin. Um, first response, I always think of um, someone overseas. That's my first response. Um, yeah, that's that's what I would go with. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, I actually did a um, a mission trip to Africa, and, and oh, wow. that's when I felt more like a missionary. You know, you don't think about you know the things that you do um, from day to day, from you know where Father has put you to live or to be. You don't really think about that. Why, why do you think that um, that is? Why do you think that that's your first initial thought of a missionary? I think, well, I mean, the church I grew up with, um, we always prayed for our missionaries. Um, and like 90% of them didn't work over. So yeah. I'm trying to think. To, like we had, in my, in my growing up church, we had who are serving on um, but i'm not sure we called them missionaries so yeah but it was always someone who was other than you other than the group that you were you know yeah the, your yeah. core other than the core yeah same yeah same um i grew up from um i grew up in a family church um very small southern baptist 
and it was whoever was out there doing you know i almost feel like it kind of took takes away um accountability mm. to, to do anything because we're praying for the people who are doing it we're supporting the people who are doing it so we don't necessarily have to do it we just support those people yeah. who are doing it you know um what would you be more accepting of being called a missionary if the definition was a person who speaks hope um would you be more accepting of being called a okay that's an odd question i guess that i guess the question is um would you call yourself a missionary if the definition of it is someone who speaks hope would you be more willing to step into a missionary um state of mind or to be a missionary if that was the definition i think well um sorry are you getting feedback um just a little bit but that's okay okay um i'll try to try to not let that um i hate to hear my own voice does it <laughs> I yeah, I uh, I would feel more comfortable calling myself a missionary. Um, I, if I was to like look at myself right now, mm. I'm not sure I would do a great job. Of um, but it definitely makes it more accessible to be a missionary. Uh, more attainable, yeah. More attainable, yeah. Yeah. That I don't have to actually, you know, leave the country. <laughs> I don't have to be Mother Teresa. <laughs> you know, it's in it a little bit more palatable, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it, it makes it, then we can be missionaries in every aspect of our community. Like, how can we speak hope at home? How can we speak hope at work? How can we speak hope at whatever? wherever we are. The the last question um, Nate asked kind of stuck with me. Um, the more the more you when you read the word, you always see that people are put where they're supposed to be. And so if we are where we're supposed to be, then there has to be, you know, things around us that he has us situated for. So just, you know, like what you just said, um, wherever you are, whether it's at your job, there's someone there that that needs hope spoken into their life. Or, you know, wherever you live, someone needs hope spoken to in their life. And that makes me kind of look at um, um, where I go on a regular basis. to look for those people or to, you know, to listen and not just um, think, okay, this is where I am. Uh, this is just, you know, happen to be where I fail. So that's kind of, that's kind of interesting just to, just to think that where I am on a regular basis or, or not even necessarily regular basis, you know, wherever I go there, I mean, come on, there's going to be someone that's going to need hope spoken into their life anywhere you go to the grocery store there is someone there um that kind of puts a new perspective on it huh yeah it makes you makes you uh, 
Keep your eyes open more, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And to look outward more than inward, because we love to be human doings instead of human beings. Just being busy, you know, because apparently being busy means you're important. But just kind of being open to the people around us. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm a verbal processor. You just heard all my thoughts. <laughs> um, so Nate called the zeitgeist. The defining spirit or mood is shown by the ideas and beliefs of the time. When you think about your neighborhood or your network, um, how would you define the zeitgeist, i.e. overscheduled families, lonely seniors, post-church agnostics? The first thing that comes to my mind um, is kind of what you said. And, and sorry, this, this is actually really hard. I'll try to quick change this. Actually, I don't know how to, so I'll just keep going with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think what you said, like, I would say that's a pretty big Yeah. I think it's kind of like, you know, you have, uh, I don't know, a set of, a set of friends and everybody has, you know, if they're your friends that you probably have something in common. And, and you know, I guess it's kind of, I, I feel like zeitgeist is kind of like reading the room, you know, what you read in the room. And, and that's how you approach things because of, you know, the room. And I do have, that last one really sticks out to me because um, the church, the post-church agnostics, because it's something that, 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 I've always had a, um, I won't say I always had a soft spot for, but growing up, I was very, you know, like I said, Southern Baptist. So it was more like, okay, you, you worship God because he is God. Don't ask questions, just do it. You know, if you have questions, you'll know when you get on the other side, just do what you need to do. Don't make him angry. You know, and that's that's how I grew up. I grew up with the signs. Um, if God was, to, if Jesus was to come back right now, where would you go? You know, the fear. And uh, it was when I married my husband, who was agnostic at the time. Um, and I always feel, I always now see agnostic people as people who have suffered pain or hurt or disappointment. Because that's really what it boils down to, um, whether you've lost a child or whether you've asked father for something and you didn't get it and that hurt. And that was the that was, you know, what happened with my husband. And so I I do have a lot of friends who are, quote unquote, church hurt. And 
So I, I feel like I have to step in the conversations a little more with a little more sensitivity and a little more hearing because mm-hmm. it's not, it's not God. It's the church the, or the people in the church, you know? Um, so I, I guess like the, the, or people, I also have people who um, use the Bible as a weapon. So even stepping into those, into those conversations and bringing in historical arc and um, culture and stuff like that to help them see the word the way the word was intended mm. and not as a weapon against people to beat people with because that's not what it was it was meant to be. So I, I guess um, I guess that would be for me, I guess the zeitgeist is to know um, when I step in to those conversations or the things that I do, I have to step in with with who with with who I'm with in mind, I guess. I don't know, I'm just spitballing here. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like I said it and I feel like that didn't make sense. No, no, I think I mean for for that interesting because those are two like completely different like and so speaking hope is different. Yeah. Like how do you speak hope into that? Hmm. Consistently, you know, consistently to do that. Let's speak hope into those situations. Um. It, yeah, it's speaking hope for people who use Bible. Um, I think it's would be much more to speak to people who are church and be a listener than compared to that other yeah yeah i don't know okay apparently there seems to be something going on with all audio on zoom because they just uh they just let me know that we need to test our audio when we when we're done um yeah 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 to to create an um a, a safe space um to be to be open yeah that would be easy, easier to do, to do. But and but I, I think that probably that and that's that produces good fruit. But I think probably the biggest fruit would be those people who are using the Bible as a weapon, because mm-hmm. they are then not hindering someone else, you know, or hurting mm-hmm. someone else, you know, and. Uh, Cause I just think about like my LGBTQ brothers and sisters and, oh, if you want to make me angry, um, uh, sometimes I feel like 
father just face palms at us and he's like, oh my goodness, I did all this work and you people are just trying to unravel it. Peace, my peace. So, yeah, okay, let's, I'm a talker as well, so let's try to get through the, all the questions. Um, what do you think would be good news? I feel like we're stepping into these, you know, naturally. Um, what do you think would be good news or gospel to this audience? Um, so the, one of the examples he gives is um, like clean water is gospel to the Mississippi residents um, right now or permission to rest for the over scheduled. You know, Mississippi is, um, I'm from Louisiana. So Mississippi, you know, the things that they're going through. So, oh, oh I like that. So <clears throat> good news doesn't necessarily have to be and I think we forget that good news doesn't necessarily have to be the gospel um, specifically. It's in us stepping into, I, there, there's this guy I listen to, he's my favorite teacher, his name is Shane Willard. And he was talking about how the kingdom is stepping into the broken story um, and participating with God to make the broken story better. So like stepping in for those people in, um, in Mississippi, you know, um, whether that's fresh water, bottled water, whatever, um, that doing good for those who are in trouble or hurting is gospel. Don't you feel like we, we have a tendency to do that, that you know, there's this person who's going through and you share the gospel with them. Yes, that is very important. But in that moment, is that actually helping? Because whatever it is they're going through is so much louder than, you know, than what your words, than your words, you know? Yeah. So yeah, so in, in the talk about like, people who had a bad experience and um, people who who the Bible. Um, I mean, would sharing the gospel just like look like being uh, or not sharing the gospel, but being good news, being a friend. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's simple, I guess, but it can't hurt. <laughs> but I think that that's the big thing, though. We try to make it hard, but I think I feel like it's the simplest of things. You know, when he said, be like a child, it's, it's supposed to be simple, you know. That being that friend that's stepping into the broken story, stepping into because that's that was that's what Jesus does, you know. He steps into the broken story to make the broken story better. And so, I guess the 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 question or the the role of the missionary is to step into those broken stories, or to try to step into a broken story to speak hope or give hope. So, whether it's you know the giving of the water um, to 
the people of Mississippi. Manya Deswan said something to me one time that I will never forget, and I've taken it with me. And she, I, I mentioned it to her, I said something to her, you know, recently, but she said it to me, I know, 12 years ago. She said, um, when you're, when you show that you're not perfect, you make it okay for other people to not be perfect. And so it was that last thing, that last example that Nate gave when he said, um, permission to rest for the overscheduled. So if you tell someone, hey, it's okay to, to have a day. It's okay to sit in your bed and veg out if you want to. You don't have to be busy all the time to be productive. To give somebody permission to do that and say, oh, that sounds like a fantastic plan. The 2020 was different for me for than everyone else. Yes, there was the ramifications of it, but we had more family time. We would play games, you know, we played cards, we would sit in bed together and watch television. So there was this, um, now I'm angry when we're busy. Mm. Like, I want us all to sit down and, and cuddle up together and eat chips and watch television, you know? So, you know, maybe giving other people permission to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. What that looks like. I try, I try now, like if I ask someone, if I'm meeting someone, I never ask them what they do for a living. I don't ask because mm. they are not what you, you are not what you do. That does not define you. So I don't know, maybe. Dude, these are deep questions. Yeah. <laughs> these are like all day questions. I like that though, not asking people what they do, because that also forces us to realize, hey, we are not what we do. So, yeah, I like that. I like that. All right. The last question is: If we are always to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have to everyone who asks, um, how would you share the good news with your neighborhood or network? So if someone said, hey, Justin, why this whole Jesus though? Why do you have faith? So I've thought about this before and I can't say I have a great answer. I think I think it varies in who I'm talking with. Um, so I mean talking about not talking about work. I'm, I'm about to talk about work. Um, but um, so I'm a teacher. If I have, if my students ask, it's like, I think what a lot of them that 
you know, love and you have someone in God. With that said, so this is where I feel like I don't have a strong, strong faith because is that why I hold on to my faith? No. But I feel like for a lot of people, Yeah. So I'm not sure if that was coherent at all. But that's, <laughs> that is what I just said. Yeah. I feel like it's hard. Were you you were raised in a church, right? Yeah. Yep. Like, I feel like it's harder for us who were raised in a church because it's like all we knew to kind of articulate it. Um, I agree. So it took, yeah, it is it's you're like because because that's because it is yeah. <laughs> you know but i think uh i think my answer to this question has actually kind of became more defined i guess like in the last couple years or so i and it really boils down to the smallest thing i need to know if there is someone who knows everything about me and still loves me. Because that idea of unconditional love, you're not getting that here. I have two children whom I absolutely adore. I have a husband who spoils me rotten, but there's still those parts of you where you're like, I think Bo, Bo described it once as having a house full of rooms, all, you know, and most of the rooms have lights on, but there's still those, those rooms that have, you know, the, the light off because in the door shut, you know, it's kind of like when you have company come over, there are certain doors you're like, yeah, nope, <laughs> can't go in there. <laughs> Everything's going to fall down. But, um, but I, I've been through a lot of a lot of things, a lot of trauma in life. And there's this I think peace is too tame of a word to say there's this ugh in knowing that I'm not by myself. That no matter what happens, it doesn't matter. He has me and that that there is a presence that is bigger than the situation and he is with me even when i screw up and i am it's not god's wrath it is the consequences of my own actions that even in those consequences he takes the sharp edges off of the consequence you know because of that love there is just hope there is hope in that, that no matter what, no matter what, it doesn't matter what it is I go through, that he never leaves me. And and I, I hear him, I see him in, in, in the things that he does. I, I see him in the, in the people that he puts around me, you know, whether I'm going through something and some random person from, 
outside of my orbit just sends me a text and say, I feel like, I feel like father wanted me to text you. You came in my mind and you know, is everything okay? And I'm like, I see how you just went way outside of your way just to show me that. For me, it's a selfish thing. My, my faith is a selfish thing. I do it because it makes me happy or I, I believe and trust because it just, it does for me. Maybe I shouldn't tell people that because that sounds terrible. <laughs> that sounds terrible. But I but think that's, that's so true though. I mean, what you just, just described, yeah. Amen, amen to that, yeah. And then there are people like you. You are a teacher. Oh, I, and this may sound cliche, and I know people have said this to you before, but I truly believe that teachers should be paid more than anybody. You just should, you should be paid up there with doctors. Seriously, I have, um, I have teachers in my family, but you are so amazing. You're so amazing. Just amazing. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for being so selfless. Oh my goodness. It sucks. <laughs> I have a lot of teacher friends. Amen to that. <laughs> it sucks. With very, very little, very little comeback. Thank you. You will be on my list of prayers because you are amazing. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. What do you teach? Uh, high school math. Yeah. Oh my goodness, nobody likes you. Uh, that's <laughs> if we had an hour, an hour, I would tell you I would lay out my life. But we'll say that for another day. <laughs> okay. I mean, seriously, this needs to be a conversation. I really you are easy to talk to. Huh? You're easy to talk to. Um Okay, so what have you taken away from this conversation? Um, I think two things. Well, two things. Um, first off, just to be more intentional about how I can speak hope into people's lives. Um, just to like a small tidbit, having people not like me is really, really hard for me. And I focus so much of my energy on how can I make sure people like my class and like it. And so just focusing more attention on hey, who here might be going hard. How can I just like be a quick friend? So that's one thing. Um, two, I think what you just last said, um, knowing that no matter what, been done. I still have God. Um, and God's the strong force through it all. Absolutely. I'd say those are my two big, two big ones. Yeah. I was just, just thinking about what you just said um, about, you know, I'm a people pleaser as well. Uh, and that is really hard on physical, mental, spiritual, it's hard um, because some people are just buckheads. And I think that that piece also gets better 
the more you realize you don't only just have God, God also has you because that's a totally different mind frame. You know, um, Philippians 1 6 is my favorite verse. I hold on to it when crappy stuff happens. That is my verse. It's my verse. It's it's what I hold on to because it's be ye confident in this. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. So what that says to me, I don't care what happens. He has a work in me. It may suck today. It may suck tomorrow, but it's not going to always suck because he has started something. And if he started it, this is, this is God. Now people talk about, you know, you know, we talk about the Genesis, um, the Genesis story and how God created the earth in six days and whatnot. And people debate on what that, what that is. But, but here's the thing, a day to us, is not necessarily a day to God. We can't put God in our box, our limitations. One day to him might've been a million years, but he finished it. He finished creating the world. Not only did he finish creating the world, it continues to create, the universe continues to grow. Do we really think that we're the person that broke God where he's like, can't do anything with this one. Never had that before, but I guess she, no. If he started something in us, he's gonna finish it. Even if I'm on my bloody knees, he's gonna finish it. He's gonna work it out. And so I, that, I, I hold on to that scripture with white knuckle fingers. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> it doesn't look good, Father, but <laughs> I know you're going to finish it. So something's coming around the bend, you know? So um, I just, I just want to leave that with you. Where uh, knowing that the, in those times that where you're trying to people, please, that it's okay just to be you. It's okay just to be you. And if people like it, awesome. If people don't, that's okay too. I told my, my, my youngest one, she's extreme introvert. Oh, when those people don't like you, that means that they're not supposed to be a part of your story. Mm -hmm. And, and that's okay. They're a part of someone else's story and, and that's okay. I mean, you don't have to be mean or anything like that, but just they're not part of yours. And that's good. You know, okay. That And, and I guess the, the thing that I just, to not take it into yourself and think there's anything wrong with you, because there's not. Because I've been on this with you for like, what, 30 minutes? And I like you. I'm just saying. I'm getting ready to invite you to the house over here. I'm from Louisiana. We like to cook. I'm just saying. Just come on over. All right. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. I think we've hit everything, huh? I think so. And thanks for, uh, thanks for helping. Thanks. I mean, I felt like I grabbed good stuff out of there. That was a whole meal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, it was, it was a whole meal. 
Okay, I think we're good. And you have a fantastic Sunday. You too. You as well. Bye-bye.